Welcome to the Hoops Galore podcast with your host Jackson St. Fort and Zidani Petuta. In this show, we break down the game, we discuss offense, defense, and team fits. Everything hoops, we got you covered. It's your guy Zidani Petuta. We're going to be talking all things basketball, keeping it versatile like a coach does, all while having some fun. Welcome to the show. We said that we would do a post-game analysis, you know, you know, after the final buzzer for this week, we chose Dallas versus Brooklyn Nets. We saw a lot of highlights from Luka, elite playmaking, but I wanted to, you know, go over the stats, right? Because a lot of times we find that we have fans that look at the box score and I want to read out some stats to you and, you know, with you watching you know, the game and watching the overtime. I want you to tell us why these stats don't tell the whole story. So let me start off here with the field goal percentage. Dallas was uh, 41 for 81, 50% from the field. Brooklyn Nets was 43 for 93. They were 46% from the field. And three-pointers, they were, um, Dallas was a, 50% from the field, where you have Brooklyn Nets, 34% from the field. You know, they only hit 12 three-pointers to Dallas 20. What does this tell you about the game that you watched last night? And then I'll, I'll, I'll continue with free throws and assists and, and the other stats that show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. Um, so what this is telling me is um, that... Uh, that the Mavericks seemed like they were very just comfortable. Um, I see in like every category, like it benefits the Mavericks. They're very comfortable. 20 for 40 for three-point shooting. I think any team that shoots 20 for 40 against your team, you're probably going to lose. So like that was like eye-popping 20 for 40. That's like a, a really hot shooting night. And then as far as assists, you know, Dallas had more five more assists moving the ball around more and they just had more open lanes like Luca uh, to crash the paint and to kick it out to his shooters hence the 20 for 40 shooting you know that 20 for 40 shooting that was on display last night it didn't come without a lot of open looks even in overtime you had guys you know shooting open threes you had Reggie Bullock who missed the three to possibly put this game away now having an open, wide open three, you know, top of the key. I think he was on the left side, wide open he three. Almost the net. Right, to begin that overtime um, regulation. So let, let, let's keep going here. Free throw column, right? Uh, Nets were superb, 27 for 30, 90%. You know, where uh, Dallas was 27 for 35, 77%. Uh, we mentioned that the assists... He was a uh, 25 to 20 with Dallas having five more assists. Uh, rebounding, Nets did a pretty good job. They had 45 rebounds to Dallas 37. I don't know if that has to do with anything with um, uh, Dwight Powell not playing in this game, but Nets did control the boards. They had 13 offensive rebounds and uh, 32 defensive rebound so almost double of dallas's offensive rebounds seven to 13. yeah um what do you think of i'm looking right here what do you think of the fast break points 
um, between the the Nets and the Mavericks. I see that the Nets had 31 fast break points and the Mavericks had 10 fast break points. Uh, but Mavericks scored 129 in the game and uh, they got off. They made 21. It seems like it all came from pretty much of a half court set. Uh, that's a that's a weird stat. Uh, I just want to hear your opinion on that. Well, if you watch the game, you know you you saw a coaching adjustment that we haven't seen in the past, where KD and Kyrie's time on the floor was like it was split from what we've seen in the previous games, where KD came in with Ben, and Kyrie was out there with the second unit, and you had a lot of Duke Jr. tonight. He fouled out the game, but when you look at his impact on the game, you know, especially with having a playmaker like Kyrie on the floor, and then you have you know Yuta, uh, and then you have also um, Summon. Like when you bring those guys in with a guy like Kyrie and Royce O'Neal, that's where you saw a lot of the fast break points and uh, and a lot of you know the pace being pushed. David. Uh, Duke Jr. He had uh, he, he played 20 minutes tonight. Yuta uh, played 22 minutes, and Sumner played 15 minutes. And most of those minutes, you know, came on the floor with Kyrie. And I think that's where you saw those fast break points come up on the box score, including Kyrie having to take control of the offense and you know electing to go up with the ball and attack the rim. You know, and KD having to do the same because of, you know, the the Brooklyn's situation right now as far as style of play and and being the ones to attack the rim and, and lead that charge. Yeah. Well, uh, I was just thinking and I was looking at it a little bit um, that the Nets are going smaller. Basically, off of your point, like the Nets went a little bit smaller. I think that's what allows them to get out on fast break. But then it also translates for me, looking at the stat sheet, that it doesn't really translate into um, un- into stops, but because they got all the fast break points that they they have a large advantage of the fast break points that they needed. It, it seems as if they couldn't get a stop. Yeah, and and to that point, Nets' biggest lead in this game was eight, and when they had this lead, there was never a time where you thought they were going to put this game away. And that's what's been one of the biggest problems with with the Brooklyn Nets basketball is when they do have a bit of a cushion, you know, they can't really run away with the game right now early in the season. I'm hoping that as the season develops that they are able to take that momentum, leverage that lead and that that gap and put the starters back on the bench and end the game. I have a question for you. I've noticed like around the league that teams are they're going big or going small and I've noticed that around the league that for the regular season going small has its bumps uh, I know we talked about earlier how um, Nets were running like multiple 6-2 guys out there uh, I watch a lot of Miami and Miami runs a lot of Kyle Lowry on, on, on forwards um, pretty frustrating to watch for both for any team to really see that their team is going small, being taken advantage of. So I guess my my point, my question to you is, do you believe like going small during the regular season? Because I think going small in the playoffs looks like it's it's it's, it's a lot better, and a lot more smoother. Um, do you think that going small during the regular season can help a team? Like, 
I it just I, I don't. It, it looks like it has its bumps early on in the season for teams that's going small. I think that's a, a great question, and I want to take you back to the Houston Rockets trading for Russell Westbrook. They tried it out. I mean, I think the first th- the first three games he had 30, 30 plus points and a forty one point game. You know, we're talking like high thirties, like thirty eight. You know, and um, his highest scoring was forty one the first three games, and then we also saw them trade Clint Capella to really adopt this small ball lineup, and we also saw how that small ball lineup collapse during the playoffs because the rebounding wasn't there you you didn't have a big body that can slow down the pace because we all know during the season it's the carrot race guys are able to push the ball and the the speed of the game it's rapid but when the playoffs come you now you start to see the high iq you know, half-court offense. And if you're not able to adopt both team that can score on transition and also uh, a team that can really, a team that can establish a half-court offense, you're in trouble. And a lot of times with these small ball lineups, um, you fall into trouble with defense, you get into foul trouble, and then your half-court offense isn't as good because, you know, you've capped what you can do from a vers- versatility and dependability and also durability standpoint where you have guys that are taking more of a, a you know, a, a beating on the defensive side because you, you lack that length and that height and, and those big bodies to really bang, you know, down low and, and you know, in between the lanes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, going small is, it has its, it has its ups and its downs. And it makes me think sometimes, is it worth it? But I know coaches are like stubborn enough to really like sit through it to make it work. And because going small does have its benefits, uh, it just makes me wonder sometimes during the regular season, like, hey, should we be doing this right now? Can't we just, you know, play big? Uh, you know, I like the Celtics blueprint of, of Rob Williams and Horford and, and being a Miami fan, checking them out, beating Miami last year, just going big and then still seeing Miami go small. Like I was watching Warriors games today. They got Ari by by twenty to the Warriors. Yeah, and and you know what? When, when we talk about Boston, the one thing that we have to bring up is that Robert Williams and Al Horford are two passing bigs, so they can bang down low, they can play defense, they can switch on that perimeter, they can rebound for you. But you know, if something is not there. They can get the ball um, back out to the perimeter. They can, they can, they can do that extra pass if you need it. And that's what's important that we don't talk about enough. That's why I talked about um, guys like Stephen Adams because I've seen when you know maybe something's not there or they're running a play through him, and he's able to get off that pass. And I think that's a beautiful part of having a dynamic of not just small ball, but big bodies in there and, and guys that can pass the ball as passing bigs. And um, I think that that allows the defense to pick your poison because we're going to score either way. And and one, one stat I want to bring up, second chance points. Uh, 
Brooklyn had uh, Dallas won in this category from 16 to four. They had 16 second chance points. You love to see it because it says that the effort was there. Um, you watched the game, I watched the game. I love seeing uh, David uh, Duke Jr. flying in. I love seeing Yudo Wanonabi with the active hands using his whip span a lot of the times on the defensive end and on the offensive end for rebounds. And and I love seeing Rose O'Neal fly everywhere for that rebound and, and really fighting for those second chance points. I think that's gonna be a big factor when it comes to winning, especially in chippy games. And um, I'm not sure if there's a, a stat you wanna bring up before we end the, the, the episode. I wanted to bring up that that the Nets won in every defensive pretty much every defensive category um, so that's interesting it's interesting because you know it, it says that they they stuck to the plan all four quarters but you know when you have superstars out there the, the only thing you can do you can't really stop them you can but the only thing you can do is slow them down and and I want to I want to take this opportunity to ask you watching the game and now being exposed to these stats, what do you think was the difference maker for the Dallas Mavericks to end up in that win column? Uh, it may be like a, a little cliche, but just off of the eye test, it's definitely the Doncic playmaking. Uh, it just uh, watching that overtime yesterday, that put, like I remember I texted you like, "Yo, Doncic's playmaking is nuts. It's wild." It was just a backbreaker to the Nets, and uh, you know they had five more assists. The Mavericks had five more assists than the Nets last night, um, having 25 assists for the night. Uh, so just those those five more assists, those those playmaking shots by Doncic, that eye test, it's a killer, man. It's a backbreaker because you're doing everything in your power to stop this, you know, this guy, this strong guy trying to get to the paint and and push you off bullies. And then he's just making this wild pass that you didn't even see coming or a behind the back pass that you didn't even know was coming. And man, like that was a backbreaker. Seeing Reggie Bullock that open was a backbreaker. Yeah. Maxi Cleaver making a corner three was a backbreaker. And sometimes, you know, we we try to we, we overanalyze or we do these things. But I mean, you know, and which is which is great. But sometimes it comes down to like two things or one thing. And I honestly believe it was just a couple uh, three-pointers that the Mavericks made and a couple amazing playmaking plays from Doncic. That just was the game. And for the Nets, you you have to feel pretty good about how you how you play. You can definitely play way better, but Doncic is, is Doncic, man. Yeah, and you're, you're echoing uh, Kyrie about the over-analyzing of the game. And, and really, if we go back to the basics, it was Doncic being able to get his teammates involved on a high level, instilling that confidence and then getting them open looks. Uh, one thing that stood out to me is Brooklyn's defense on those corner threes. It was non-existent. Uh, but I want to I want to end with this. You know, when we when we look at this game, we have to we have to applaud what Luca was able to do with the players that he has around him. I mean, when you're able to score on a high level and uh, you, and when you're a three-level scorer, you can score inside, outside, behind the arc, um, you can get that floater off. But a lot of what 
gets you that W is you being able to know when to score and when to get your teammates involved. You have to applaud that because what it says is Luca's decision making matches his scoring ability. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the difference maker um, for this game. He was he was making the right decisions at the right time. And, you know, it ended up with a W um, for this Dallas Mavericks team that, you know, they, they're, they're healthy. You know, they're healthy. They're knocking down shots. They're moving without the ball, you know, and they're playing hard all four quarters. And you love to see it. If you're on Brooklyn side, there's more work to do. Um, you know, brick by brick, you got to build that chemistry and that momentum and uh, get some, hopefully get some wins coming up. Yeah, man, you said it. Right decisions, to, right decisions to win the game, and that's what it is, man. That's what happens. But like you said, Nets have work to do, and, you know, they got some things to figure out, but... And they're, 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 they're playing solid. They're playing all right. We'll, we'll keep an eye on them. We're definitely going to do that. Um, and uh, as far as the Mavericks, Mavericks, you know, they played well. They played really good. But they have some things to work on, too. And they have some and some guys um, not named Luca um, have some things to, you know, to work on, too, whether, you know, it's different guys stepping up different nights. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. We out. We out.